The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad that you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with our co-host, Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, and please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, To Thine Own Self Be True. Nobody else is responsible for our sobriety. We are the ones who direct, live, and own our sober experience. In this sense, we are, quote, fully self-supporting, just like the seventh tradition guides our recovery groups to be. But in active addiction, we often tried to put our responsibilities on to others. If work wasn't so stressful, I wouldn't drink so much, that kind of thing. Well, excuses like this will never keep us sober. So we learn to be true to our own selves and to be self-supporting in our sobriety. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on owning our sobriety one day at a time. Yes. So we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you will find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery journey. So today we're going to be talking about moving from the, that habit of blaming others to a place of owning our own experience through the principle of self-sufficiency. You know, when I think about, so we're talking about blaming others, which is a pretty broad uh, idea. Right. And one thing that helped me find that in myself, you know, if your experience is anything like mine, sometimes these recovery principles come up and you're, and I'm like, oh, I'm not like that. I don't do that. But then <laughs> after a while, I see it in a different way. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Now I, you know, it's, for me, it was a matter of, um, like I'd have just some idea of what that meant. What does it yeah. mean to blame others? Oh, I'm not like that. 
I don't yeah. go around blaming other people. I, you know, right. I know people who have done that. Well, it's a, <laughs> it's a little more subtle than that, and it runs deeper than that. Yeah. And so uh, after a while, I realized, oh, I kind of did that. But what helped me to see it better was when I thought or asked myself the question, what's my, you know, what does blaming circumstances look like for me? Yeah. Because I could be blaming others, something outside myself, by blaming circumstances. If the weather wasn't so crappy, I'd feel better and I wouldn't drink so much. You know, that's right. not another person, but that is something outside myself. Now, that said, I, uh, I am sure that I blamed other people uh, many times. You know, we all, uh, well, let me ask in terms of a question. Maybe you've had this experience. Have you had the experience where, uh, you know, every upset, every trouble that I seem to have in my life always involves other people somehow <laughs> or other. I've never, the trees never piss me off. That has never happened to me. You know, it's, it's, it's circumstances, it's other people somehow or other. You know, other drivers, driving would be easy if there were no other drivers. I mean, it'd be a breeze, right? It'd right. be super safe. It wouldn't be stressful at all. I'd be the only one on the road, but that's not how it is. So what blaming others or blaming circumstances look like for me is sort of looking outside myself for, just call them, quote, reasons. You know, well, I'm upset because they did this uh, or... You know, I, I'm really stressed because that's happening or that person said this or they're not doing what they're supposed to do or whatever. Yeah. You know, the bottom line is I, I came to understand this as linking my own inner experience to what other people or other circumstances are or are not doing. And yeah. yes, I certainly have done a lot of that and maybe still do. Maybe. 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 Well, I feel like this one is busting me big time because I, I know I do this, you know, it's a really bad habit. I mean, I even do it with stuff like, okay, my husband can't hear me right now, but I do it with stuff like who took the remote? How come I can't find the remote? If people would just put the remote back where it belongs, you know, people, and it always turns, quotes. yeah, people, right? Certain people. You know, or how come you moved my this, that, or the other thing? And most of the time it ends up that I'm the one that moved it. I'm the one that put it there. And it, it seems like it's like just a bad habit, you know? Yeah. Um, I do that too. Yeah. It's, it's just a really bad habit. And, uh, you know, with, um, in my active addiction, that the way that that played out was, I initially thought that my problem was that I dated people with drinking problems, not that <laughs> I had one, you know, I, love a, I swear funny. to God, I really did think that. <laughs> I, can, I really did think why that. Why do all these alcoholics keep drinking at the bar with me? Yeah. Well, and the truth was I did date alcoholics, but you know, I did that because, well, we all know why we do that. Right. So that we're the relatively better one in the picture. <laughs> Yeah, that, I gotta jump in. That that was my definite my definition of alcoholic is someone that drinks more than I do. Exactly. As long as there's a worse person around, we always look better, exactly. right? Exactly. That's an alcoholic right there, not me. But you know what? I do this all the time with stuff. I mean, like I say, I feel like this is just like in interiorly busting myself right now. Like I'm just thinking, oh my god, I do this so bad. You know, it's like like you said. 
blaming other people for my reactions to things. Like so people are just doing what they're doing, you know, but um, it's my, well, this is what I've learned after many, many, many years in recovery and working in unity and, you know, all the various things I've done. I, it takes, I, I'm a little slow on the uptake. It takes me a while. I'm just starting to learn this stuff now, you know, that like, I'm responsible for my reaction. And that's still hard for me to even, it's like, no, I'm not. If those people wouldn't do X, Y, or Z, everything would be fine. The, and you know, the driving is a big one. Like everybody's doing something to piss me off. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I feel very exposed right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I just, I realize that it's just a really, really bad habit. I, yeah. I feel you. I get it. <laughs> and I will find myself, you know, I'm, I've done a lot of practices over time, you know, spiritual practices. You know, in, in unity, we'd all, you know, under the umbrella of growing or shifting our consciousness, right? So we do things like mindfulness, meditation, uh, prayer practice, whatever it is that we're doing. And, and so part of my life now is, uh, and I, I prescribed this to myself, this did not come from a doctor or a therapist, is cussing therapy. I'm uh, very dedicated to my cussing practice. And I will swear, like, I'm so glad no one, I don't do it when other people in the car with me, but I'm so glad people can't overhear me in the car or when I'm playing a video game. Oh my God. Just and the reason I mean, and I joke about it, but the the reason that I find it so helpful is I I really think that I just had a lot of repressed emotion, you know, growing up. It's not okay to yell. It's not okay to be angry. Well, I got a lot of ground to make up for, and so this stuff is coming up in me, and I realized I got to let it fly in a in a responsible manner. I don't cuss at people. I don't get angry at people, but I'll swear out into the air. <laughs> Anyway, so blaming others, you know, for me, I know thinking back that, uh, you know, I had uh, a driving fear for me is a fear of not knowing what's going on, like what is happening. I can't tell what's true from what's not true. And it's very disconcerting for me. And so that would be the kind of stress that might cause me to say, you need to quit doing that. Hey, this is, you know, the reason I'm all upset is because you're doing this or you're confusing me or whatever. Um, rather than owning my experience, like I feel confused. Can I have a couple questions? Can you help me here? You know, yeah. there is a, is a better way where I'm sort of owning my experience and not blaming somebody else for my reaction. Yes. That's the tricky part in all this. It is. So you're totally blowing our cover because people think ministers don't swear. <laughs> I, I, I don't know any that don't. I know I don't either. It's totally funny. People just think that, but yeah, it's true. Um, I think you're right. There's a lot of, you know, just kind of blowing off of steam that um, we could probably all benefit from. And, and when you're on, well, for me, when I'm on the road, that's definitely when it seems to come out. And I don't think I'm not like swearing at people on the road or anything, but I just see internally how I get so irritated by everything people do on the road. Like if people could just follow the rules, everything would be fine. Like, you know, know if yes, you could I just know. like go back and take the driver's test. Have you seen the manual? <laughs> like, 
You know, it's just... when the light turns green for the left turn, you go. <laughs> oh, geez, that you have a social contract, people. What are you doing? <laughs> Your job is to watch that light and go. And you know what the funniest thing is? I live in Monterey where like three cars is a traffic jam. Can you imagine if I lived somewhere that had actual traffic and it's like ridiculous, but yeah, but it's the same principle, whether it's something silly, like on the road or it's, you know, real things happening in my life. My, my first initial um, response is to blame it, to, to, to project it exteriorly. Okay. It couldn't be possibly something that's happening in me. It's what all those other people are doing or what the copier is doing or what the computer is doing. See, I am perfectly capable of getting angry with inanimate objects. (laughs) (laughs) You know, technology. Yeah. And it's like as if it were a conspiracy against me, you know, like, why are all the electronics behaving badly today? <laughs> you know, and I, I, after all the work I've done, I do sometimes start to step back and get an inkling that I might be the problem. <laughs> that maybe it's my frame of mind or I'm in a bad mood that day. And so therefore it looks like everything is breaking down or misbehaving or whatever. But yeah. It's, it's that I know why I do it because I want to take the heat off of myself. I don't want to look at my bad mood or my crankiness or why I'm irritable today or what I might have done to get myself in this mess. I want to take the heat off of myself and get it off me as quick as I can. And that's a really bad habit that goes way, way back for me. You yeah. know, so as long as I'm looking at what everybody else is doing wrong and, you know, let's face it, people are doing things wrong. So it's not that hard to do. Right. It's especially on the road. It's really easy to find. Oh yeah, right, exactly. That's yep. the, that's a really important distinction. It's it's our reaction that we're talking about. Okay. I don't control what other people do. Yep. But it's my reaction. I, so no, I'm yeah. just beginning to learn that my reaction is my responsibility. That's a tough lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, I want to say uh, before we move on here that. You know, we, I have, and I know we all have what we call a need to be right, right? And now what I've discovered is my need to be right isn't so much a need to be right. It's a need to feel like I understand what's going on, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a subtle difference from the outside. It may be the same, but uh, I, when I, when I understand that that's what's driving me, like I'm uncomfortable if I don't, if I feel like I don't understand how something works and it's important to me. Now I've, I've done a lot of work around that and I'm far, far better about it than I used to be. But I just wanted to share that because that need to be right is so common for Mm -hmm. all, all people. And I see it in myself as well related to that. Well, let's uh, scurry out of the problem here. Thank goodness. Because we've talked a lot about this challenge of blaming others, but let's move into the solution. So Michelle, what is that? Oh, goodness. Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle that we have found helpful in moving out of that horrible habit of blaming others and moving into a mature place of owning our experience is the principle of self-sufficiency, which, you know, we get that from our seventh tradition, which talks about how our groups are self-supporting. And so um, what does that look like? 
Yeah, that's the question that comes to mind for me is, well, what does that look like in my own life? I mean, I could guess. I'm not a recovery group, right? So applying, I know I can apply the traditions to myself, but how can I live? The question is, how can I live the spirit of that principle of self, but do so personally? What do you think? Yeah, so, you know, (laughs) it's sometimes embarrassing to me to say that these things were a revelation when I came into recovery, because it seems like things that a person ought to know. But um, I don't know, somewhere along the line, I didn't get the program. And so this idea, you know, it's kind of what we were just talking about, that I am responsible for myself. That was a revelation to me. It really was Um, and continues to be sometimes, you know, um, that. And, and some of the unity materials have been really helpful for me in this, especially, I know I've mentioned this book before, but, um, and now the, oh, the eye of the storm, I was going to say, now it's slipping my mind. The eye of the storm was just really, um, really profound for me. So if you're a unity person and you haven't read the eye of the storm, check it out because it just, it was just really, really eye-opening to me that all of these things that I think are happening to me, they're not happening to me. You know, I am, how to put this all in a nutshell, but I'm responsible for how I show up in the world and my reaction to things. It's internal. It's an inside job. And um, it's a very maturing realization to have right and and it turns out that you know I still have a lot of emotional maturing to do (laughs) you know I mean that that sort of happens to us when we start using our addiction of choice at an early age is that there's um there's a maturing that doesn't happen and we still have to go back and grow ourselves up I know I still have to go back and grow myself up a lot and this is a really big one being responsible for my own reaction it's a really big one my own experience it doesn't mean I'm responsible for everything that's happening but it means that I'm responsible for how I react to it yeah exactly well put when I ask myself what does self-sufficiency mean personally, you know, for, for me, I early on in, in my uh, recovery community career, um, I heard this phrase, I'd never heard it before in my life. I, in, I felt like I instantly understood what it meant. Nobody had to explain or define it. And then I went on to learn it's a very common concept uh, among uh, recovery in recovery circles. And it was this, somebody said, well, I what I know is I'm keeping my side of the street clean. Yes, yes. Oh, I was like, thank you. I understand what it means to keep my side of the street clean. I can't clean your side of the street. I would love the street to be clean, but all I can do is make sure my side of the street is clean. That's all I can do. That's my responsibility. In fact, if my side of the street is not clean, that's on me. You know, across the street, that's not on me. I have no control over that. And so self-sufficiency, that really helped me understand what it means to own, to own my experience, right? To, to, To not be assigning like 
like my inner experience, usually an upset. I don't, I don't usually go try to figure out who's making me happy. Right. I'm trying to figure out who's making me mad. Um, I want to own my experience than that concept. Cause I can see it in my head. I pictured someone with a broom, you know, I can keep my side of the street clean. I can own my part of this. I don't yeah. need to be getting into what everyone else could, should, et cetera. You know how that is be doing. Right. Um, so being self-sufficient to me means keeping my side of the street clean and, and letting that be enough. Yeah, absolutely. So you just gave like the other side. So this is a two-sided coin, right? I'm responsible for my own reactions. You're not to blame for my behavior or my reactions. And on the flip side, I'm not responsible for your behavior or your reactions. I mean, like I said, this is sort of basic emotional maturity, but it was, it was news to me. Hey, me too. Yeah, it was totally news to me and sometimes still continues to be news to me (laughs) because, you know, I mean that, yeah, our culture doesn't really support that. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of support in our culture for thinking that you can control what other people do, or you can somehow influence them to do what you want them to. And this idea that, you know, I have enough to manage just managing myself and, um, staying in my own lane, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether a person goes to a 12-step group that's specifically for codependency or not, if we're in other groups, most of us have some of those codependent traits, which is basically oh, yeah. what we're talking about is getting in somebody else's lane, whether it's blaming things on them or right. trying to you know, control what, Trying to control them, trying to get other people to, you know, and it's a, um, it's a childhood response. You know, I think that underneath it, we're not bad people. We're simply trying to stay comfortable. We're trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to, we're trying to manage the world because the world felt unmanageable to us, you know, and sometimes still does feel unmanageable. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a maladaption, you know, it's a, it's just, it's a bad habit that was learned. It's, it's a way of, um, it's not an effective functional way of dealing with things, but it's, it's what we learned. So it's, it's quite a lot to, um, learn to change that. It's a constant struggle. And that's, what's so wonderful about 12 step recovery is we keep getting that reminder, you know, that, like you said, that's one of our little sayings, you know, trust God, clean house, help others, you know, those things really keep it down to brass tacks, you know, this is what we got to do. And uh, going back to the book, I was talking about the eye of the storm, you know, the other thing it talks about is that when I'm getting upset about what someone else is, is doing, it's because I have that thing in me. And it's repressed in me. And so I can't see it in myself because it's too shameful. So to admit to myself that I have this X, Y, or Z would cause me to have shame that would be unbearably painful. But the shadow things want to come out, right? They want to be exposed. So I'm going to just see it and point it out everywhere outside of me. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, so this is the bad news, but it's also the good news. So I want to, you know, kind of wrap that idea up on a good note you know it the bad news is that it's my responsibility the good news is that it's within my power to change it so that means that I can when I'm getting a 
severe reaction to someone or something, it's a clue that there's something in me that needs to be healed. So it's basically like, it's like pointing out where I need to work next. It's giving yeah. me my next assignment, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've learned along the way that it's important for me to realize that being responsible from my own experience does not mean I have to do everything alone. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to do everything mm -hmm. myself because there's a part of me that always did think I, I do have yeah. to do everything myself. I don't mm -hmm. want other people involved because I feel, you know, it's easy for me to feel like my, my boundaries are being trampled. People are all getting in my business or whatever. Yeah. Um, I want them out of my bubble, uh, especially when I was young, you know, because, and I've learned though, I, I have, um, healthy and, and solid boundaries that I understand now that apparently I didn't have before. And so I don't have to do that now as I did yeah. before, but I want to stress again, me being responsible for my experience does not mean I have to do everything myself. I can ask for help. I can acknowledge what it is that I'm experiencing that is causing me to be upset without blaming it. You know, I can tell my story whether it's, you know, I was so, I'm, I feel so crabby. I was so frustrated with the traffic today. It felt like no one was paying attention. It felt like everyone was getting in my way. I can share all of that. Right. Right. When I ask for help with someone, that's, that's not blaming others. Yeah. Or at least I'm going to get out of that. It is telling the story. Um, but my point is, I, I don't have to figure all this out myself. Yes, I, I'm I'm the only one responsible, but I can bring I can bring my, um, you know, functional tools, spiritual and functional tools to bear. I can call my recovery buddy. I can talk to my sponsor. I can say, well, I, I wonder which step does this feel like it might fit in if there is one? You know, I can begin to inquire what, what, what can I do? Do I need to take a walk around the block? You know, I have lots of tools and strategies and resources. So even though I'm responsible for using those things, uh, I don't have to literally like magically figure this out myself. I yeah. do have um, uh, tools and uh, people and techniques and practices and all of that that I've that I've learned. To me, that was yeah. an important distinction, probably because <clears throat> I tended to always feel like I, I have to do this myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know we can tend to take things to extreme. So if we think self-sufficient, well, then I don't need anybody. So <laughs> right. you know, yes, exactly. it's moving from codependent to interdependent because we are interdependent. Yeah, Nobody's like expected to do this alone. So I, I'm glad that you made that distinction but it can be difficult for us to navigate that you know it's just it's just something we need to work towards and learn is how to be health how to be interdependent with people in a healthy way it's balance again balance. right we're talking like about so balance things reverend lonnie had my favorite definition balance is that middle point i go flying past on my way <laughs> So let's, hold that, <laughs> let's hold that thought or that image because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll stay with us.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. We are glad that you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We're going to resume our discussion in just a moment here, but first we want to remind you that you can send us uh, your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, which is Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, in the first segment, we were discussing this horrible habit of blaming others for things. And then we moved into talking about the seventh tradition and our concept in the recovery program about self-sufficiency and being responsible for ourselves. So now we're going to talk about how we use that principle of self-sufficiency to move into a life or a place of owning our own experience. You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me around that is is directly out of our unity spiritual principles. And it's specifically, it's the practice of what we call turning within. Yes. Right? And and more broadly, it's, it is answering that question, what is going on within me right now? Uh, you know, while I'm having this experience of, of an upset or maybe, maybe actually more realistically for me, it'd be later. Like, wow, I I was really, um, you know, I really got upset when this happened. Um, what, what's going on? I wonder what's going on with me. So just that question, or I like say the, you know, unity helps us answer the eternal questions like what is my deal? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm doing. What is my deal? What is going on? And so, it really is as simple as, and I I have that experience that you shared earlier, like, how did I get to this point in my life and not know what now <laughs> seem like basic emotional, uh, you know, literacy? Yeah. Apparently, I don't have it. Well, it's not yeah. uncommon at all. I know that. Right. And better late than never. Uh, yep. And so I, I can ask myself, what is going on? How how do I feel? Well, I'm I'm irritated. Well, what wait, what does that mean? Am I afraid? You know, am I, do I feel threatened? Uh, Do I feel disrespected? You know, what, there's a whole myriad of things that could be going on. What is going on with me? And that's all under the banner of turning within, you know, take a little bit of quiet time, take a breath. I I always close my eyes, take a breath and literally just check in with my body. What is happening? You know, how am am I holding tension in my jaw? Or my brow, I'll often do that. What's going on with my shoulders? I tend to ride my shoulders up. Are my, you know, what's happening? Where, where, where am I carrying? Literally, just carrying tension yeah. in my body, and just by undertaking that practice and take a breath and just, it's almost just kick back and chill out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, get. I've heard this great analogy. It, this was for mindfulness meditation, but I think it works for everything. I can just sit on the bank and notice which boats are floating down the river. Mm-hmm. What's going on here, man? Now, normally I'm on one of the boats. Yeah, cut, not cut, get on them. Swearing at one of the other boats. <laughs> but if I could get on the bank 
And I love it because I can see that image. If I could just sit quietly on the bank of the river and notice what the boats that are going by, that's, that's what I mean. Turn within and say, what is, ha- what is going on here yeah. with me? Yeah. So I find that very helpful way to, to own my experience. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because you kind of shifted my thinking a little bit that, um, like I was saying, you know, this idea that something that's upsetting me in the outer is pointing me towards something that I have going on in me. Now, in in recovery rooms, I've heard it said, you know, this idea of if you're pointing at someone else, there are three fingers pointing back at you. That's yeah. kind of shorthand for realizing. And, and then there's other fun things like if you spot it, you got it, you know, that kind of thing. Just to help us remember that, you know, what's getting triggered is something that's in us. So rather than feeling horrible shame about it, oh gosh, I have this horrible thing in me and, and, and shaming myself, which, you know, that's how I got this way in the first place was having been shamed for things. So I don't then want to go ahead and shame myself internally, you know? So rather than feeling a whole bunch of shame, I can say, this is information. This is information for me. Like you said, what is happening inside me? And then what I've learned only in the last few years is that once I've figured out what that thing is, now I need to presence it for myself. I need to have compassion for myself. I need to give it a voice, give it a space. Because what I've learned is that these these shadow elements, like I said, they, they're kind of dying to get up into the light, right? And and so they're kind of like knocking at our door. And and if I can say, okay, this is triggering that little girl feeling in me that I'm not good enough. Well, instead of just sort of looking at it intellectually like I did for a really, really long time, now I go and I do some work with myself, you know, inner child work or however you want to call it. But it's giving a voice and a space, giving attention to that part of myself. Okay, so I don't need to feel shame about it, but it is information to me that I have a little girl inside me that feels like she's not good enough. So let me sit with her and let her tell me about how she feels not good enough. And, you know, whatever kind of work you do, I do, like I say, the inner child work of like, you know, holding her and telling her it's okay and you have a right to have those feelings. And, you know, I don't know if this sounds like a lot of woo-woo to some people, but I'm telling you right now, this work has totally changed me over the past few years. It's extremely oh, yeah. powerful. Yeah. And if it, if the child imagery doesn't work, you know, you can see it as a part of your subconscious. You can see it as a part of your shadow basically there these are parts of ourselves that were wounded yes and they are screaming out to be heard and the more we push them down with alcohol with drugs with food with gambling with whatever it is that we're using man when they go underground it just the, the more they are just trying to they just want to be heard so if we can just sit with ourselves and just say yes I have this feeling inside me. It's okay for me to have this feeling. That's what owning our experience is, yeah. right? Owning it, attentioning it, tending to it, letting it have its say and letting it have its feelings and its its space. That's when it can stop 
going nutso because it's finally being heard. It's finally being tended to. That's and reminding it, me of that phrase, our, our secrets run our life. Mm-hmm. It's like those buried pieces are actually running my life. Yes. I'm just not aware of it. Yep. Yeah. Um, sorry to jump in. I was excited no, about making okay. that connection. You know, I love that you mentioned self-compassion. That's something yeah. that is has come up uh, for me, that concept in beginning to learn uh, how to how to do that because I, I'm I'm I mentioned previously that I've been studying in nonviolent communication NVC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been studying it with the wonderful woman. Her name is Karen Stars S T A R Z. Um, so if you're interested in nonviolent communication, like you know workshops, weekend yeah. Zoom Zoom yeah. things or whatever, look up Karen Stars on the internet. She's wonderful. And self-compassion is a, you know, a, an essential step. If I'm angry at somebody else and I can't, I'm, I can't get to the point where I'm, I have compassion for them, inevitably that means I need to have compassion for myself first so that I can get to a point where I can begin to um, find compassion for the other. And, and I also love that you said, because this can happen too, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to blame other people, so everything's my fault. Oh, right? yeah. So you can hear what I'm doing there. I'm just taking that same blame and yep. I'm turning it within myself. Yes. That's yes. not what we're saying here. We're not saying right. go from blaming others to blaming yourself. Right. Saying go from blaming others to not blaming anybody or anything, but right. to in, instead saying, you know, asking what, what's going on with me, it, yeah. but not blaming. You know, that same voice, it, it hit me at some point. This was some time ago, but it hit me at some point. I only have one voice in my head. That same voice that wants to tear someone else down turns around and tears me down. It does the exact same thing to me that it's doing to others. And so I need that. I need to find a way to heal whatever's going on, whatever's causing that voice to feel the need to show up. Yeah. you know, to heal it. So man, thanks for mentioning those things. Um, be careful. Don't just turn the blame inward and self-compassion. I mean, give myself a break. There's something, what, what I'm not perfect. You know what, no. where is it written down that I'm supposed to already know all this? You know, yeah, exactly. I don't, I need to, I need to take baby steps and learn this stuff. I need my little colored feeling wheel, you know, my emotion wheel so that I can, uh, get in touch with what is going on. Well, and, and move out of what I remember. And again, uh, Reverend Lonnie used to say this. I had three emotions, mad, sad, and glad. <laughs> There's a lot more subtlety to emotion than just those three things. And if I could dig into that and have some compassion for myself yeah. and realize, wow, I'm I'm mad because I'm afraid because yeah. of blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah totally understandable. Anyone yeah. would feel that way in mm-hmm. those circumstances. Yeah, that self-compassion is so important. I think that's why it can be really helpful to work with it with the image of an inner child because it's a lot easier for us to have compassion to a child. You know, it, it can be hard to find compassion for ourselves, but if we imagine these frozen bits of ourselves as children, you know, then it's like, oh, And in a sense, they really are, because most of this stuff comes from early childhood. And so there's a sense in which that 
that, I don't know, you know, like Jungian psychology, you know, they talk about like fragmented parts of ourselves and stuff. Like every time you had a trauma, that little part of yourself fragmented sort of, you know, separated itself off and um, became frozen at that point. And so it's, it's a process of going back and retrieving all of these um, disparate parts of ourselves and bringing them back into an integrated whole. But, you know, in simple language, it's just owning our experience, uh, not, not owning like, I'm so horrible, this is my fault, owning like, yes, this is what I'm feeling. I yeah, have a exactly. right to feel this. Yeah, it's, you know? this is happening. This is happening because so much of how we get ourselves in trouble is not wanting to feel those things. Okay, so here's the piece I wanted to add. Some of us have some really trauma-based things that are very painful, and we had a darn good reason for using substances or yes. behaviors or whatever to keep them at bay because it was simply too painful. And I don't recommend going into some of that stuff without a lot of support. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a sponsor, a counselor, a minister, somebody that can really um, be a guide and, and help you move through this stuff safely because some of it's pretty intense. But yeah. the important thing about recovery program is that we find a higher power that walks the path with us. And so we have to find this higher power however we conceive of that, and it's different for everyone, that loves us unconditionally. And it loves us unconditionally because we are of it. You know, we are expressions yeah. of it. So it cannot help but love us. And we need that support and that unconditional love to begin to peel off those layers of shame that are keeping those things buried. Um, because sometimes I know for me, there was so much shame layered on top of all these things that there is no way in heck I was going to own it because own it mean owning it meant I was going to have a shame attack. I was going to just feel horrible about myself. So I had to do, a, you know, I had to let God love me for a lot, a lot of years before I could start to work with some of that stuff. And frankly, let other people love me too and let God love me through other people, you know. And so um, I just wanted to really stress that, that, you know, we're talking about owning our own experience and being self-sufficient, but always in partnership with our higher power. We don't do any of this without the God of our understanding on board. And that is a huge, I mean, that makes all the difference. You know? I'm gonna. I, I feel compelled to share a quote from this from a theologian, Alfred North Whitehead. This is, just has always stuck with me. He characterized God as uh, God is the great companion, the fellow sufferer who understands. You know, in that theology where he's coming from, God is with me in my suffering, feels the my suffering with me. Is, yeah. is the great companion who and totally understands what is going on. No blame whatsoever. A, a guide, you know, a, a, a path even, however I think of my higher power. And, and th that's so incredibly important that, again, and that's like, you know, I'm, I'm always remembering I don't have to do this alone. Now, maybe for me that's particularly important because I always did feel like I had to do it alone. But I, it applies to many of us. I don't have to do it alone. I, I am traveling with God, the great companion, the fellow yeah. sufferer, 
who understands. Now, as I reach out for help, like you're saying, uh, another great point that you made, um, this kind of inner work, these these um, buried pieces of ourselves that need to be healed, uh, there's a really good reason that they're there. Yes. And I am not in a position myself alone right. to do that work. I, well, something was missing in the past, some kind of support was missing and I need that support in order to heal that piece. That's why to me, um, you know, individual uh, weekly counseling has been so yep. critical, so important for me, in addition to a prayer practice, in addition mm -hmm. to a, uh, you know, a higher power, a God concept or a theology, if you will, of someone of un unconditional um, positive regard, love, you know, unconditional support, we might ask sometimes, you know, can I see the other person as God sees them? Can I see myself as God sees me? You know, yep. these are not easy things to do, but they're powerful practices. And I and I need all of them. I, I It's not just like a one. What got one thing that got me in trouble with drinking is that I discovered this one thing that seemingly solved all my problems. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> alcohol. Yeah. Well, there isn't one thing that's going to, you know, get me out of that w way of, of being. It's like a collection of things. It's a it's a uh, support system is probably the best phrase that I have. And my support system includes uh, recovery peers, yeah. you know, call it my recovery buddy. I can call up and I know that person understands and will listen to me. Um, a sponsor you know, whose job is kind of to guide me, um, who, who is there to offer a suggestion, maybe if I haven't quite asked for one yet, or my sponsor used to say, would you like a suggestion, which was mm -hmm. a wonderful, loving way of saying, mm -hmm. I think I might be able to help with something here. <laughs> um, and then the group, you know, to me, the group has been particularly important because that's where you know, like we're a bunch of rocks with sharp edges and we bump into each other and we get, we all get smoothed out over time. It can be very frustrating, especially early on to be in, in recovery meetings because people are just so, it's just, we're so raw and uh. people are being honest and I don't like what they're saying sometimes and I don't like yeah. that person and that person's voice annoys me and oh my god he's telling <laughs> the same story again you know it's all these opportunities to notice things that are going on that I can then talk to my sponsor about yeah. turn within see what's going on blah, blah blah and all this thing that we're all this process that we're talking about it's, you know, I, if I walk 10 miles into the woods, I got to walk 10 miles out of the woods. There's no silver bullet there. I'm not going to go to the store and get a bottle of something that's going to fix all this. That's right. how I got in this trouble. Yeah, I think it's really important that you mentioned that we need a number of sources of support. And so we're talking about self-sufficiency, but part of self-sufficiency is creating a support network for ourselves. So it's, you know, it can sound like it's a oxymoron, but it's not, yeah. it's not, you know, self-sufficiency doesn't mean that I don't need anybody and I do everything myself. It means that I'm sort of the master of my own domain. I'm responsible for this life, this, this, responsible. you know, 
I'm responsible, exactly. But it doesn't mean I have to do it myself, like you said. Um, you know, so creating, sort of setting up this support network for ourselves. Um, if I, I mean, even, you know, for some folks, it can be really hard to even ask for help and to even accept it, right? And then we've got to be diligent about choosing folks that are healthy for us to have in our support network, you know? And, um, you know, just because someone's in a 12-step program doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy. So we've got to sort That's of right. be vigilant about that. And, you know, this is, I don't know if this is um, counter 12-step or whatever, but I feel like it's really important to have other, If you know, if, if you don't have a lot of issues and you just get, clean and sober or whatever and you're great have at it but some of us have some really <laughs> deep stuff we have to work on that so. didn't work for me no it didn't work for me and god bless you if that's you know your experience because i wouldn't you know i'd rather be doing something else really but that that's this is what my life is so that's what i gotta do but um outside help you know whatever that looks like um, for you. And like I said, you know, it could, it just, you just got to build that support network for yourself. It could be trusted family or friends. It could be clergy. Um, it could be, you know, a psychotherapist, psychiatrist, whatever it is. And, you know, some of us like me are, have so much going on, so many issues to deal with simultaneously. I want it all. I want all the help I can get, you know, I want to have recovery support. I want to have spiritual support. I want to have psychological support. I want to have friends. I want to have a meditation practice. I need it all. Just throw I, it I all think, at I me. Think we all do. Cause what I was thinking yeah. as you shared those examples is a combination. Yeah. You know, I need a support system, not a one, this one thing will fix it all. I need right. a system, a, a whole group of supports, just mm -hmm. like you were saying, that's my experience as well. Yeah, so part of being self-supporting is taking that responsibility to create that for ourselves. And you can ask for help, you know. That's something that I definitely had to learn to do yeah. is to, to ask for help and learn who it, who it was safe to ask help yes. of. And yes. I did make some mistakes along the way, and that's okay. Well, uh, let's shift gears here. Uh, once again, we've had a whole lot to say about this. So what we want to do here at the end is step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. And we do that in the form of a hypothetical question. So, uh, Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and said, how can I learn to be more self-sufficient in my life? Like you're talking about, I want to, I want to live in personal integrity. You know, I want to own my experience, but I feel like I'm a big mess. What should I do? Oh my goodness. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but if it was a unity person, I would tell them to pick up the book, Eye of the Storm, and then proceed to read it once a year for the rest of their lives. <laughs> hey, for anybody, not just unity, yeah. Yeah, and the also the the Q process, the no one and nothing against me, if you look into that, it's some really good stuff. It's basically all about, you know, whatever is happening, whatever I see happening out there or I'm responding to is really something in me that needs to be tended to. And um, I, I just think that that's super important work. And it's totally in line with our unity principles, you know, our third principle that what we got going on in our consciousness is what's going to outpicture in our lives. So that's really 
really where the work is. And then I would just reiterate what we've just been talking about, that being self-sufficient means that I know how to look for support and I know how to create a support network that, um, you know, I can learn to be in a healthy way interdependent with others because we are not expected to do this alone. Absolutely. And always, always, always put HP in your pocket. You know, this is a partnership with God. This is not something we do on our own and that's not to be underestimated what comes to me first is sort of this is my standard response it's always my go-to this worked for me get a sponsor work the steps find and join a home group and go to 90 meetings in 90 days i know people that are 20 30 years sober and hit a point in their life maybe a death in the family, a divorce or whatever. Hey man, I'm going back to day one. I'm going to 90 and 90. I'm rededicating myself, et cetera. So of course do that. In general though, I would say practice mindfulness, you know, mm -hmm. in any way like that answer that question, what is going on inside me in any way that works for you and yeah. practical tools like count to 10. I mean, it sounds silly, but man, right. is that helpful. And yep. the recovery literature talks about restraint of tongue and pen. You know, yeah. Counting to 10 helps a lot with restraint of tongue and pen. And remember that what other people think of me is none of my business. Yeah, so that's, that's my whole, we could do a whole hour just on that one. Okay. Well, as always, we like to give you an affirmation that you can use to solidify these concepts. And today our affirmation is this. I am self-supporting. I take responsibility for my own recovery. Yeah, I love that. I'm self-supporting, right? Just like my home. I'm self-supporting like my group. I take responsibility for my own recovery. Thank you for that. Well, it's happened again. Michelle is our affirmation miner. Goes Generator. Affirmation <laughs> mines and, and digs out a gem. Um, well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful. And by the way, if you don't feel that way, then message us on Facebook and let us or know. Not. <laughs> yeah, we say that because it's fun and we affirm that you've given yourself a gift and, and not had to uh, bear through a trial. But like I said, if you made it this far, we hope you found something in all this gabbling today that'll be helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, of course, as always, and all who are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you. Uh, wherever you may be on your recovery journey. And listeners, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Drop us your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.